Hello and welcome to In Defense of a Movie Podcast. And this episode almost feels obligatory, Aaron. We're talking about mm-hmm. 1998's Godzilla. I feel like everyone knew that this had to eventually happen, right? I mean, this is a yeah. pretty famous film for a lot well, of different I, reasons. Yeah, I was kind of confused about it because I was just like, what are you talking about? That is a good movie. <laughs> And like a lot of people recommended it and it was on our list and mm-hmm. yeah, I, but watching it, I understand now. Yeah, there's a rich, rich history behind this film. And the more I researched, the more I was just dumbfounded, mm-hmm. just totally confused. So yeah. this sits on Rotten Tomatoes at a 16% critical rating. Uh, audience rating is 28%. I had a budget of about 130 million at the end of the day, 35 somewhere in there. Um, and the global box office take was only 379 million, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Um, and as a result, the planned trilogy never happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is, of course, from director uh, Roland Emmerich and uh, yeah. Dean Devlin. Um, this is our second Roland Emmerich film, Aaron. Yes. Yes, but, it's the first time we've had a repeat director. Yeah, um, but this is a very, very different animal than 10,000 BC. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what are your first memories of Godzilla, of this movie in particular? Oh, I like 1998, I had to be nine years old when this movie came out. So yeah. it's just, you know, me as a kid... Uh, just loving watching a monster movie and then on top of that i think because the trilogy got canceled they made a cartoon um, about the show yeah and so i let i remember watching that like every saturday morning waking Mm -hmm. up and watching the godzilla cartoon i couldn't tell you what it's about right now but i remember (laughs) watching it (laughs) yeah the cartoon i think was superior um and i think the cartoon was a response to uh, what little fan base there was. <laughs> mm. Man, there's so much to talk about. I ended up with like four pages of notes here, so I'm going to try to do this in like a uh, some sort of chronological order. Um, yeah. I remember this came out just a couple years after Jurassic Park The Lost World. Mm-hmm. I think I was, what was I? I was 12 years old and obviously just eating up anything dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um I'll never forget sitting in theaters watching that first trailer where Godzilla's foot smashes through that museum and like crushes that T-Rex skeleton. Did you remember seeing oh, that trailer? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Averaging 19 feet in height. This creature was believed to be one of the largest predators who ever lived on the planet. That trailer dropped like a year before the film came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember because we lived we lived out in like rural rural BC, so I remember on like terrible internet buffering that trailer over and over again <laughs> as a kid and just you, yeah. like you would literally press play and then pause it and like go make, you know, go make some cereal and come back and watch <laughs> <laughs> My anticipation for this movie was through the roof. Yeah. Um, because they were in the marketing campaign, they were so careful as to not show what Godzilla was going to look like. Mm, yeah. And I mean, there were there weren't even test screenings for this movie. So quite literally, nobody really knew 
uh, mm-hmm. except for those involved in filmmaking. Yeah. Um, how would you describe your um, like fandom level towards Godzilla, generally speaking? Oh, I would say that I'm up there as a monster movie fan. I like the uh, like I always say chaos and destruction <laughs> and all that stuff going on. Like that that this movie checks all those boxes. And yeah. uh, like, so I, I'm always a fan. Like I'm, a, I'm a fan of the King Kong movies. Um, all these, the Rampage movie, just any monster movie with them destroying things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, but also there is a lot of like history and lore that goes along with Godzilla. And I would say I just I don't know much of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm as big of a fan as you can be without like the extended knowledge. Yeah. I hear, yeah. I get you for sure. Yeah, the um, my parents were were big into monster movies, and Godzilla was right up there. So I grew up um, watching like Godzilla versus Mothra and Rodan and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Never really dabbled with like the son of Godzilla, whatever that stuff was. But um, <laughs> I grew up with a fair a fair bit of fair bit of okay. knowledge with it. Like, um, so uh, you watched the older, yeah, you watched like the 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 Japanese ones that were subbed or oh, yeah. dubbed. Yeah, yeah okay. and and I think I think in total I've watched about probably half a dozen Godzilla movies. Wow, that's um, impressive. Over time, of course, but yeah, I remember my parents they, they talked about the first Godzilla film like it was a straight up horror film, Aaron. Oh, really? It's interesting because like the first Godzilla was very much a Japanese experience. You mm-hmm. know, it was very culturally relevant to what they had gone through. Um, Godzilla as a monster was symbolic of the horrors of nuclear war. This like unstoppable, according to the first film, this is not a creature you're supposed to like. So so you have that backstory of like this being like a horrific thing. Mm-hmm. Then you fast forward to 1998. Now at this point in time, there have been 22, 23 Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's been every permutation of Godzilla you can imagine. Yeah. But it was funny, Aaron, because the more I researched about Godzilla, it seemed to me that the ownership behind Godzilla was in a constant state of trying to figure out how to kill him off because the stories were getting so zany. Yeah. <laughs> that, like, for 20 years, they were, like, trying to figure out how they were finally just going to, like, end the franchise but there kept being renewed fan base and renewed you know call to keep going with it yeah so as we're gonna get into it people hated this uh rendition of godzilla the design the characterization that we talk about you know yeah but like the 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 foundation before this movie came out was basically Okay, we finally kill Godzilla after all this goofy stuff. It's gotten totally out of control. It's completely lost touch with its roots. There's 22 or 23 movies out already. Mm-hmm. And so along comes Roland Emmerich, fresh off of Stargate and Independence Day. Mm-hmm. He's handed the keys to Godzilla by Sony. <laughs> yeah. He decides that he isn't going to make just some dumb guy in a suit punch another guy in a suit movie. He yeah. is going to try to do something different. Yes. And people hated him for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So 22 movies wasn't enough. Um, You know, punching every different kind of mecha this, Godzilla that, flying this, flying that. It wasn't enough. People still wanted a a Puritan approach. Yeah, definitely. So how how do you feel about that? 
I I am you know what this mo- watching this movie again because I haven't seen this movie in years. Um, yeah. I would probably say like at least eight or nine years is the last time I I watched this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so watching through it, I kept getting so many feelings of uh, nostalgia just from being a kid and watching it and loving it and loving the cartoon and everything. Yeah. Uh, and and I realized, though, that there was like a lot of marketing things that went along with this movie, um, <laughs> yeah. which was just like insane. And I think that this movie did a lot of things for like the first time. Mm. Um Things that I like remember only that went along like with with this uh, specific movie, like the Godzilla movie, and uh, so I kind of feel like even though it has a lot of like kind of zany things and a lot of things that don't make sense and a lot, and a lot of rain, and, <laughs> yeah, uh, lots of rain, yeah, and but but it still did a lot of things that helped progress uh like the movie industry. What what are some uh what are some things that kind of jumped out to you in that regard? Well, I was just like uh so the marketing campaign um even though like a lot of people don't like uh don't like um ads to be like thrown in their face and whatnot. Uh just the whole like Kodak camera commercial where the guy like <laughs> the cameraman it's like a look alike um of the camera guy who's in the movie. Anyways, he smashes his camera and then he has to go to like a disposable camera vending machine and like <laughs> hit it and get another one and like take a picture. For all those times you wished you had a camera, get the only one time use camera loaded with Kodak Max film. Hold it. Because no matter how difficult your subject is, gotcha. You blinked. You'll get better pictures more often. One more. Smile. Never mind. I think I got it. Max one-time use cameras from Kodak. I don't know. I don't, I don't like that kind of um, product placement doesn't bother me. I think yeah. it's fun. I think it's, uh, you know, they're not trying to be subtle and brainwash you into anything. Like, they just full-on made a commercial with the movie. And also, you don't, like, I feel like movies have gotten away from that, too, where they don't Mm. do these, like, insane, zany, like, marketing ploys. And so it was just kind of fun to, like, remember that stuff. Do you remember the bus uh, billboard things that said, like, uh, his foot is the size of this bus, and it was on the side of buses, and it just had, like, the Godzilla logo, oh, and that was it? Yeah, no, I don't. And then there I was, don't like, remember that, but that's awesome. There was, like, uh, the Taco Bell dog, where the Taco Bell dog, like, <laughs> looks up at Godzilla or something. And oh, I yeah, can't... yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I need a bigger box. I, I can't exactly remember what he says. Like a bigger box or something, but like, um, oh, I love the commercials for Godzilla. Yeah, there was some serious, serious marketing for this film for yeah. sure. Um, I found out that that basically since like 1990, this film was in gestation. Um, mm-hmm. They were trying to figure out how they were going to bring Godzilla to North America. And they worked really, really closely with Toho, the company behind Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had like an entire, like, I can't remember, like a 90 page or something like that document yeah. that detailed all the things that Godzilla could and couldn't do. Yeah. Um, one of the things that really jumped out at me, which, which I found very surprising, is that a lot of people criticize the creature design of Godzilla. Yeah. Um, it's basically an iguana with like 
Shere Khan the tiger's chin. <laughs> and, yeah. But, like, here's the thing, is the company that owned Godzilla, Toho, they they signed off on that creature design. Mm-hmm. Even though it broke virtually every rule that they set out for the creature design, mm-hmm. they ultimately saw the sketches and said, yeah, that's great. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. There is a hypocritical nature to this film because once it came out, they threw Roland Emmerich and Dean Devlin under the bus for the reception of it. Mm-hmm. Like, because back in the like, so many different directors were attached to this film, including James Cameron, yeah. Tim Burton, Joe Johnston, even Paul Verhoeven, which that would have been <laughs> quite a trip mm. if he'd have done it. Um, but they finally convinced Roland Emmerich to do it and barely gave him any time to really get it done because they wanted this out for Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. But, Aaron, I was reading that there was um, there was a pre-written script, which was mm-hmm. a totally different film where Godzilla was going to... Uh, fight a monster called the Griffin, and Stan Winston, the legendary Stan Winston, did the creature design for both Godzilla and this Griffin character. Mm-hmm. And Godzilla looked exactly like Godzilla, just like a little bit more detailed and updated. But when Roland Emmerich first signed on, like everything was pretty much set to go. Mm-hmm. But he allegedly is not a Godzilla fan. Yeah. Uh, um, basically just doesn't care about it at all. So when he came on, he thought it was stupid. He didn't want to do in a movie where it was just monsters knocking mm-hmm. heads together. He basically did a page one rewrite of the film. Because in the the original ones, too, I, w- I was reading this, and uh, that Godzilla is like an ancient creature, right? Um, a creature that exists and kind of exists in the depths of the earth. And then in this movie, it's what, like an iguana that gets exposed to like toxic waste or whatever, or from like a nuclear bomb and gets mutated. Yeah. In uh, French Polynesia. Yeah. They were so desperate to have this movie set in New York that they'd rather have Godzilla cross the Panama Canal and yeah. then then go to like anywhere on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, hey, he could have came to Vancouver or LA yeah. and like saved himself <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. But no, he had to go all the way around <laughs> to New yeah. York. <laughs> yeah, and I guess uh, we should probably jump into the plot of the movie here, hey? Yeah, before we go any further, and tell me, uh, unpack the plot. Let's let's have a look okay. here. So, like I said, um, this Godzilla is created from uh, from nuclear explosions and whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. The this iguana, I guess, is exposed to it and gets mutated, and it turns into Godzilla, and. Yeah. Which is kind of like, oh, like, okay, sure, I guess that's kind of, like, believable given the time and when it came out, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, Matthew Broderick, who is Dr. Nico, to, to, I can never say, to top, Topolopolis. To Topolopolis. <laughs> it's Topolis. Whatever. Topolis. Okay, anyways. <laughs> Gene Reno as Felipe Rocher. Maria Patillo uh, as Audrey Timmons, who is like the love interest of uh, Dr. Nico Topshopolis. In her uh, her one and only uh, Hollywood film. <laughs> yeah. Did you think her acting was bad? I couldn't oh, tell. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. So, 
I had yeah. never n- realized just how bad it was until I rewatched this just the other day, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah, I, I like see that's what's. I don't know what has happened to me, but like I just can't tell anymore. I'm like, I think this is bad acting, but I'm not sure. <laughs> We've watched too many bad movies, and we're yeah. losing perspective. <laughs> I'm like, this isn't the worst I've seen, but is it like, yeah. it's, I think it's bad. <laughs> um. Then we have uh, Hank, uh, what is that? Azaria. Azaria as Victor Animal Pilotti. Pilotti. (laughs) Um, Interesting (laughs) about him. He's the voice of Mo, isn't he, from The Simpsons? Yes. There is approximately, I think, three or four different Simpsons voice actors in this film. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you know who the other ones are? Yeah, so there's um, Harry Shear, um, is in it. And he does the voice of uh, Kent Brockman and all those other characters. Oh, okay. Um, Nancy Cartwright is in this movie for like a second as Godzilla's walking past the window. Sir, I think your story just walked by the window. What? Okay, yeah. That's the voice actress for Bart Simpson. Holy smokes, there must have been like... You must have just been friends, or I, I wonder what the story is there. Okay, so <laughs> so um, Matthew Broderick is like a biologist of worms or whatever. And then he gets recruited <laughs> by uh, by the uh, military to come investigate Godzilla because they find the tracks, and he's obviously swam to New York City. <laughs> and um, but oh, but man. for some reason they need like a biologist of worms um, and. Even though that these aren't worms, he somehow like is just able to predict every move of uh, Godzilla because I assume he's a genius. Well, he's like a biologist, but he seems to be like the way they set up his character. He's basically like the the only name in the game and like research mm. on like nuclear yeah. radiation on animals or something. Yeah, it's really un- it's really vague in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, and he loves worms. Like they make that very evident that he is very passionate about his work with worms. <laughs> when he's like singing and being all la di da while driving through Chernobyl, yeah. which is like this horrific tragedy. Yeah. You're like, huh. Okay, this is our main character. <laughs> and then he's like, they're seventeen percent bigger. And you're like, Yeah, like okay. And the guy's like, whatever. And he's like, they're seventeen percent bigger. <laughs> so yeah. in love with worms. He's got like uh, pictures of his ex girlfriend from eight years ago in his like yeah. lunch kit. <laughs> yeah. I he has like you know what I will say about Matthew Broderick is like he's got like a Matthew McConaughey voice where it's just something about it just kind of is calming the way he talks. Yeah, it's kind of soothing in a weird way. It's very nostalgic yeah. for me for sure. Growing up yeah. with like uh, Ferris Bueller and like uh, Lady Hawk and films like that, it just really brings yeah. me back to a place in time. It always reminds me of uh, Lion King as well. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he is, so he is the biologist. He gets called in and he's kind of, uh, takes the, takes the reins on predicting the movements of Godzilla. He, mm-hmm. they eventually follow it to New New York where I guess it's swam because it's the perfect island to, uh, lay eggs on mm-hmm. because it's completely surrounded, right? Wait, I don't get it. If he's the first of his kind... 
How can he be pregnant? I mean, doesn't he need a mate? Not if he reproduces asexually. Where's the fun in that? I kept thinking, why would he travel so far? But it makes perfect sense. Lots of animals travel great distances for reproduction. That's what he's doing in New York. He's nesting. Nesting? Which brings me, Aaron, to my first alternate title for this film. Okay. Nesting in New York. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's like uh, like uh, explain a uh, m- movie plot like badly. Yeah, because well, cause, uh, a lot of people were saying online when I was researching, they said, you know what, if you just don't call it Godzilla, it's actually a good film. It's a good monster film. So I was like, yeah. what would be some good titles for this film? So that's my first yeah. one, Nesting in New York. Uh, iguana in in New York, or like, <laughs> I don't know. Iguana in New York looking for a home. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Okay, when I was watching this, I, I was wondering at first yeah. if it was a veiled um, metaphor for immigration, mm, and I was like, I hmm. wonder. I was like, I don't know. Maybe I, that's probably giving it way too much credit. <laughs> Yeah, I think they just, they literally wanted to have a monster just wreck things in New York. Yeah, and they did whatever they could to make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, there was a lot of things being wrecked. Yeah, so... Uh, Oh, let me ask you this, about the mayor um, in the movie, who is... Oh my gosh, this is so weird. Michael Lerner, um, sorry, the mayor, Ebert, who is played by uh, Michael Lerner, which also, a quick thing, Ebert... (laughs) Mayor Ebert and his, um, his like, uh, what are they called? Uh, Film critics, Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a play. It's a play on them. And his assistant is also supposed to be the second guy. Just a little interesting fact there. But sorry, Michael Lerner. I feel like in the '90s he played that exact character in like every one of his movies. So true. Right. Yeah, and I felt the same way about the um, what was the the sergeant guy? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, Kevin Dunn, who plays Colonel Hicks. That yeah. guy is like the same character in every single movie. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Colonel Hicks is a throw to uh, Alien? Yeah. 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 Okay. Probably. I have a theory about this film that we'll get to based on all this wacky, this okay, wacky okay. stuff. But it's okay. So, okay. So Godzilla arrives in New York, Aaron. Yes, and uh, Nick Nick the Worm Guy Tatopolis is hot on his heels. Yeah, and uh, so he quickly realizes that um, Godzilla is nesting, and <laughs> that uh, it just sounds funny. Yeah, it just sounds funny. I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what he was doing, or he or she yeah. was doing. I'm not sure which one to go with because Non-binary in the movie they Godzilla. yeah they say that um, I guess. Uh, Godzilla is asexual, so asexual means you can like uh, reproduce by 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 itself. Like obviously, you're familiar with it if you've seen like the Jurassic Park movies and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but what didn't make sense to me is like they just kept calling it a he after. Yeah. And so I was like, sh- shouldn't they be saying she now? But maybe I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. If we only had a worm guy to tell us. Pick a lane. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so Godzilla is nesting. Uh, they try to 
Nick discovers that Godzilla actually isn't against um, humanity and doesn't want to destroy it and is actually more of a neutral character uh, Mm -hmm. or like a neutral animal kind of thing and just wants to make a nest, lay her eggs, and then have food waiting for her babies. And so, so they, they like bait it out with fish, they chase it, and then they realize it's like tunneled into New York and um, made Madison Square Garden its nest. Yeah. Which brings me to one of my questions, Aaron. Okay. It's, a, it's just a logistical plot question, but it jumped out mm-hmm. at me. Um, they lure Godzilla out with a big pile of fish twice mm-hmm. in this film. Yeah. And then when they go into Madison Square Garden, the fish is everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, Godzilla scooped up the fish and then probably, like, regurgitated it out. But, like, did Godzilla have a plan A for, like, feeding its young? Like, you know what I mean? Like, did it not do any of the food collecting work on its own? Because it was kind of mm-hmm. weird, like, that first fish pile scene, it scoops a bunch of it up, and it's like, okay, now it has food for its young. But, yeah. like, what would it have done otherwise? It probably just would have let them feast on humans. Oh, that would have been like a totally different film. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's what I. Well, that's what I'm assuming. Just have these maybe, humans cocooned up like an aliens, ready for the Godzillas yeah. to eat them. Maybe that was part <laughs> of the reason of why Godzilla cho- chose New York, a heavily populated uh, city. It can hide behind buildings. It can nest in the ground, mm-hmm. and like an abundance of food source because of the millions of people that live there. That's very interesting. Uh, yeah, so they, they lure it out. They realize it's like trying to have babies. Um, his love interest, uh, what's her name? Audrey. She is uh, like a wannabe reporter, basically. <laughs> and she kind of uses her like past romance with him to slip her way in and get like the scoop on what's going on with Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, you put two on top of two, and they become lovers again, and they work out whatever issues that they did have before. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she helps them. She helps them, I, I guess, like, defeat Godzilla. And <laughs> so where the movie kind of ends is, oh, ah, the, the French guys. We got to introduce the French guys. So yes. I'm a little bit confused about them, and maybe you can explain this to me. I don't think I can. <laughs> okay. Because they were like, they were like, they like so Matthew Broderick. He kind of gets like kicked out of the military because he's he's for safe or no because um, his love interest Audrey she like stole information and and obviously leaked it to the media and they were like oh well you did this and they kick they kicked him out of the like the military or where wherever he was like helping right and yeah. then he gets recruited by these French guys um, who is Jean Jean Reno Jean uh, Reno. Yeah, okay. I just totally butchered that. Gene Reno? <laughs> yeah, Gene Reno. <laughs> oh, I feel so, like, no, don't. uncultured. I love That's okay. That's okay. Well, Aaron, come on. Look at the movie you're talking about. This is the okay, yeah. This is how uncultured this movie is. Here's the names of his cronies in the movie. Jean-Luc, okay. Jean-Claude, Jean-Pierre, and Jean-Philippe. <laughs> Those yeah, are the okay. names of his cronies. Like... What the yeah. heck, man? And like <laughs> later when they die, he doesn't even shed a tear. He's just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> Is that not racist? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't mean like, but come on, man. That's yeah. so bad. 
It is. Um, <laughs> so so these guys recruit him, and and they're like, we're the only ones that want to save the Godzilla. Yeah, and, apparently. And we're like, oh, okay, like okay. So these these are like um, environmentalists or whatever, and. They're with the French like Secret Service, and, and then but then they go into the Madison Square Garden and they like they plant bombs all over all all over babies, right? Yeah, like directly and, on the eggs. <laughs> yeah, and so I'm like, so you want to save Godzilla, but you want to kill her babies? And I was a little bit confused there because it just seemed to contradict itself. Well, at first I thought they were just doing sequel bait. So basically they were going to imply that Jean Renault had snuck off with one of the Godzilla eggs or something. Mm. But then at the end of the movie, like spoiler alert, one of them is still remaining Mm -hmm. and it cracks open anyway. So you're like, well, what was the point of him sneaking off then? If he didn't have some agenda to fulfill or something. Yeah, they're, they're like, I don't know what they were in this show. Yeah, I feel like there was, um, like, part two of this trilogy would have dove oh, okay. more into him. I bet he probably knew that there were more kaijus on the way or something, you know? And mm-hmm. They were probably laying the groundwork in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he, he recruits Matthew Broderick. They obviously work together to plant bombs on all the eggs. Yeah. And then uh, eventually they get out. But as they are, like, leaving Madison Square Garden, I guess they get chased by Godzilla. Mm-hmm. And so they're, like, just driving around in a taxi, which, by the way, whatever taxi, that car is, like, well-made. It was like in the yeah, in the mouth yeah. of Godzilla. It got trampled on. It like dr- like drove over uneven terrain, and like, it was just kept going. Oh yeah, it was awesome. Um, this is the real hero of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So uh, the movie just kind of wraps up where they, I guess, call in fighter jets. The fighter jets blow up Madison Square Garden, and then they blow up Godzilla, and then it's kind of like everyone's happy. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, and then we get that like little tidbit at the end where one egg survived. One egg survived. Mm hmm. Yeah. Which brings me to my next alternate title for this film Concerned yes. Lizard Mom. <laughs> Concerned Lizard Mom. That's a good one. It's really a different take on the character. It really, really yeah. is. And I think that's one of the. There's a lot of stuff I do want to defend about this film. The more I thought about it, the more I researched it. I want to defend the fresh take because regardless of whether Mm -hmm. it worked. Aaron, the entire time I was watching this, I kept asking myself, what would I have done? I told them that like, I would like kind of approach it the way that I would sit down in a room with Dean and say, what is Godzilla? And... If we would have this idea right now, how would we, we tell it? And I kind of told him also that, like, this is a 50s movie. And then, like, for example, uh, if you would have done War of the Worlds, you know, like, uh, like done like in the, in the 50s, it would not work today. Like, okay, this, this character has been around for, like, for decades. And it's got, like, 20 movies. And... Sony says, hey, we, here's the budget. We really, we have a pre-made script, but I don't know. We really want you to direct it because you kicked ass at Independence Day. You have, oh, you have 16 months to make this work or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. 
Like, what would you do? Do you think you would reimagine it and try to find a new spin? Or would you just, like, rest on the laurels and have a couple monsters punching each other for, you know, two hours? Oh, I, you know, okay, if you want an Aaron's version of uh, Godzilla, it would be, it (laughs) would be, I would stick with the, um, with the fact that Godzilla is just, like, a freak of nature and a creature that just exists, but, like, in the depths of the earth. I would keep that. Yeah, you wouldn't mess with the origin? No, and secondly, I would make, I like the fact that Godzilla is is, uh, impartial. So, like, doesn't care for the humans, but also doesn't care for the humans. So it's just like, if they get destroyed, whatever. But is also not, like, really going out of his way to destroy it. But, so, like, the newest, newest uh, Godzilla movie that came out, like, I I absolutely love that one. Because they just kept introducing monsters. And he would he would just fight them, and then eventually he had like a team up with Mothra, and they would fight like a monster together, and that's exactly that's where sweet. I would go. I would just have monster after monster, like less humans in it, and probably just more chaos and like monsters doing just insane things and blowing stuff up and making a mess of everything. Yeah. Yeah, the thing is, though, like as soon as you remove like the allegorical nature of Godzilla... Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really not that interesting. It's really just a big yeah. giant lizard. Yeah. Or dragon or whatever you want to call him or kaiju. Like it's really just a big monster. Mm-hmm. Um so like when you're taking um when you're taking the Japanese experience out of it and saying, "Okay, we're going to Americanize this big monster and have him smash up New York." If you're going to do that, then you have to put some focus on some human characters that are actually going to bring some heart and soul and energy mm. to the movie, which is yeah. what I think the most recent couple kind of did. They focused more on the yeah. characters. Like in the first one with Brian Cranston, that was much more... Char- There's barely any Godzilla in it. So yeah. they went the entire different direction. So, man, I got to defend... I got to defend Roland Emmerich for, for trying to do something different with the character, for trying to make it interesting. Yeah. I don't think it worked in terms of what people wanted from Godzilla. Like, he made Godzilla more of, like, an animal than some legendary mm-hmm. yeah, monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. I feel like Godzilla should be a force to be reckoned with. Like, just terrifying. Yeah. And I think those newest couple movies kind of did that. Um, yeah. Same with the Netflix cartoon anime. I, I don't yeah. know if it's an anime. Forgive me if it's, if it, it's actually... I believe it is an anime. So I watched the first one. Yeah. And in that one, Godzilla is unstoppable force of nature. Just this massive, terrifying, like yeah. otherworldly thing, you know, um, mm-hmm. that has taken over planet Earth in that movie. Um, so I feel like uh, Roland Emmerich, he almost, almost had the concept there. But mm-hmm. I think because of like studio pressures and not having enough time to make this movie because it was really rushed. Um, yeah. I feel like he tried to do something different, but ran out of time. So just started using all the tropes and all of the ripoff stuff from like his previous films and Jurassic Park and like whatever was on his mind at the time, just to get this stinking film out the door. I I would agree with that. I like for this movie, I think the thing that drove me insane the most Mm -hmm. was the size of uh, Godzilla and how it would constantly change to like suit whatever shot they were they were filming at the time. Right. Um, 
like you see Godzilla wandering around and uh, there was a, f- a friend and I were watching the movie together and he was like pointing out how there's the one scene uh, where it was like the tunnel and um, the eye is there. Like he opens the, its eye and it's like massive and it's the size of like a subway tunnel in New York or whatever kind of tunnel that was, right? Yeah. But like to have an eye that big would uh, like it would be a massive monster but then like when it's like roaming around new york it's uh eyes don't look that big and so Mm. it kind of drove like as a tradesman it just drove me insane when things when like things are scaled bigger and then smaller and then bigger and they like don't make sense um that that is one of those like flow things that that drive me insane but with that being said what i really liked was it made Godzilla for me a bit more relatable um, because it gave it kind of like a logical uh, point of view where it was like, oh, this is how it was created rather than us just believing that it came out of like the depths of the earth and it's a prehistoric creature. Yeah, there's like a specific origin to him in this one. Yeah, and so I, like, I agree with you. He tried something different, um, but... It's exactly what you said with um, with this movie because it's base. It has already such a deep and rich like lore and fan base uh, behind it that no matter what he does, unless he he um, stayed true to like uh, the Godzilla lore, people were gonna hate it, right? And so he yeah. did try to do something different, and there's not much he could do to make it um, better story wise. Like I I think that if he would just would have like tightened up a few things um, during the movie, like maybe less rain, um, better actors and yeah, like proper scaling of Godzilla. Like those three things would have probably increased this movie drastically. Yeah, because Roland Emmerich, he's a he's a pretty uh, from from what I understand, he seems like a pretty controlling, like control mm-hmm. freak director. Where he's usually the writer, he usually produces like he's very much like these films are his babies. Yeah, and up until this point, most of his films are like um, his own original ideas or his own personal curiosities, like we covered in Ten Thousand mm-hmm. BC. Um. I think this film has a neat place in Hollywood history because it's kind of a cautionary tale as to like what kind of director you choose because this movie needed a yes man director for sure. Mm-hmm. The yeah. script was there, you had the creature designs, everything was locked and loaded. And the only reason they really wanted Roland Emmerich is one because so many other big Hollywood directors turned it down because they were like, "Ah, no, nah, it's just dudes in a, you know, it's just like monsters punching each other." Yeah. Um, but Roland Emmerich, he was hot off Independence Day, um, which obviously did very well for him. But Roland Emmerich, he's not like the he's not the yes man guy. Like this is the same guy who made Ten Thousand BC. Like this is the same mm-hmm. guy who's blown up the White House and done all this weird stuff and is into fringy topics. And you needed a director who would come in and follow the rules and just shoot the script collect his paycheck and walk away. And that's Mm -hmm. not, from my understanding of him anyway, that's not who Roland Emmerich is. Yeah. So they went page one, start from scratch, even the creature design, threw it all out the window and said, let's make something different. And you know what? This movie is full of logistical errors. It's full of uh, janky special effects. It's Mm -hmm. It's full of some pretty bad acting performances. It's got borderline racist cliches. It's got all sorts of dumb stuff. Um, but it's really the special, fascinating. 
the special effects for this movie. Now, I can't remember around this time, and y- you might know better than I, than me. Um, were the special effects specifically in Godzilla like? Um, were they cutting edge at that time, or were was this movie like really poor special effects for that time? Okay, there's an interesting thing that happened where there was something wrong with the. Um, I remember there was something wrong with either the transfer or the print to film. A film I, I made once called uh, Godzilla uh, was designed to be printed on the old-fashioned three-stripe system of Technicolor, and mm-hmm. everything we did in post-production was designed for that result, and. Uh, Literally, just before the film came out, we were unable to make those prints. There was a technical glitch, and we couldn't make those prints, so we had to move to a different format. Well, that different format truly hurt the digital effects. They went from being, I think, literally the best digital effects up to that point in our history to looking somewhat shabby. All The blacks got muddy. I lost all the detail in it, within special effects shots. Feet didn't look like they hit the ground, and suddenly the effects went from being spectacular to being a C+. Right. Now, with the, the new Blu-ray coming out, it's literally the first time that audiences are going to see the movie the way it was intended to look. So mm-hmm. the theatrical version actually looks worse than like the Blu-ray release. Oh, okay. So I think by the time it hit theaters, it looked like all the creature effects looked pretty terrible. Oh, but then okay. once it got its Blu-ray transfer, it actually ended up looking a little slicker. But ah, I see. But uh, this leads to, like, another thing I want to defend, though, is that, like, this movie fuses together, like, miniatures and CGI. Mm -hmm. Like, Aaron, enough paint went into this movie to, like, paint Golden Gate Bridge. There was was enough uh, lumber used in this movie to build something like 50 or 80 houses. Holy smokes. The amount of craftsmanship behind this movie is outrageous. Mm -hmm. The Beast is actually a submerged scale model rips apart a miniature version of the pier. The scene is then played back in slow motion and a computer combines an actor with the original shot. The monster is often the work of computer animators, but for this thrilling sequence, the special effects team designed an animatronic model with facial and body movements powered by remote control. See, you thought it was all done by computers, but it's not. And that's what makes it so good. And contrary to popular belief, there actually are a couple shots um, where it is a guy in a Godzilla suit. Um, oh, really? Anytime Godzilla was like coming up through the street or like any of the, like, the close-up like head smash kind of work yeah. was actually a guy in a Godzilla suit. So there is practical stuff. It's really a fusion of like a bunch of tradesmen and craftspeople um, who built this stuff, painted these amazing sets, mm-hmm. like recreated vast chunks of New York City. Yeah. And then had some CGI monster, you know, uh, mm-hmm. tramp through it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. Like one thing, like people take this kind of stuff for granted, but I mean, I can't even tell you how many people would, how many, how much like man hours it would have taken mm-hmm. to like build all of that. Yeah. But that's like, the craftsmanship was stunning. Like, I bet you can't watch this movie and tell me what's miniature and what's not. Yeah. So That's really cool. Yeah, there's it's a really cool fusion of effects. But yeah, the, the digital monster stuff, man, I don't know. It doesn't... I, I feel, and this is, this is kind of where I go back to, I feel like this movie was kind of he- ahead of its time, I guess, in, in doing all this stuff, right? Yeah. In trying all it trying all these like different techniques to incorporate into its uh, movie. And so like you I remember um P Diddy or Puff Daddy at the time 
Uh, <laughs> he like he did a theme song for this movie. Mm. Um, you know, there was just there's so much stuff that this like people took from this movie and incorporated it into like so many things. I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't know. I think it's the MTV Music Awards or whatever. Whenever they would do those fun, fun like opening scenes and stuff. Oh yeah. And I'm pretty sure there is a Godzilla like opening scene where they like reference the movie somehow. You know what they say about Big Lizard? What? 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 What do they say about Big Lizard? How oh, I You just said to me, you know what they say about Big Lizard? I don't. Do you? Dude, did you ever hear that uh, that Green Day Brain Stew Godzilla mashup? No, I haven't. And that's what I mean. Is like it, it's just insane to me that this movie. Um, flopped so hard and is so bad as it is uh, but but so many people um attach their names to it in some way or another yeah i miss when movies did this this movie reminded me so much of the same kind of vibe as like batman forever where there Mm -hmm. was like this big soundtrack event and everyone rushed out and bought the cd before the movie had even come out and you know all the music videos on mtv yeah they were like kind of quasi in the same universe as the film. So you'd have the artists playing in the streets where like Godzilla was, you know, smashing around. Like it was really cool that I miss that kind of stuff yeah. that, that it was like movies back then. I feel like they had this event quality to them where yeah. you went in feeling so climatized to the universe that they were building already that by the time you put your butt in the seat, the anticipation was just, you know, you were like at peak ready to see whatever the film was. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's that's the biggest thing I want to defend about this movie that which is which is really weird because I feel like it's not even actually the movie, but more of like the marketing mm. of it. But it just it made me feel no, so nostalgic. Oh, and yeah. I just I wish you would get that uh, these days with like movies, movies that uh, that are coming out like currently. Totally. Like full disclosure. I loved this film when it came out. I yeah, really did. I, I really enjoyed it. And you know what? Like over the years as a teenager, like my family, we popped it in the, you know, in the DVD player like a yeah. bunch of times. Um, like I will say this. This is the first time I've watched this film with any sort of critical regard. You know, yeah. I've never watched this movie looking for any sort of answers about anything. <laughs> So yeah. it was pretty interesting to watch it as an adult and and find these things and pick up on these character things and you know just like her um, Audrey's sleazy boss and you know and and how gross that was yeah. and and like all these weird little things that just jumped out at me all over the place that I just I never noticed as as like a, a twelve year old you know teenager or whatever yeah but yeah there's something about this movie it's like a warm nineties hug you know it's it's yeah <laughs> it's that's exactly it. it you could watch it with kids it's kind of got this like family vibe to it it's not particularly scary or gross or mean-spirited or anything it's really just like a a weird kind of popcorn movie you know mm-hmm. it, it is a really fascinating piece of hollywood history mm-hmm. so yeah the, the the oh dude this sound design in this movie is so wacky it's yeah. so over the top. I watched the second half of this film with headphones in, like on my phone, and 
Yeah. Dude, I got to tell you, there's some weird, weird sound design in this movie. There's, <laughs> yes, there there's is. so many like African mammals in this movie. Like there's elephant noises and there's this weird explosion sound they use like half a dozen times. That sounds like yeah. it sounds like a panther roaring or a, like a leopard. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is like an enigma. Yeah, I feel like this movie had like 16 Foley artists just like standing in a gymnasium throwing like pumpkins and melons at each other. Like, it's so nuts. The sound design. It almost seems as if um, it's one of those movies where they just kind of threw things and would, were trying to see what would stick. Yeah, there's so many weird things. Like, Audrey seems like, she seems like a genuinely terrible person. Um, <laughs> yes, the, yes, she does. Does she not? Like, a, as uh, Nick... Matthew Broderick's character says they were like college sweethearts. She left him without a phone call or anything. And so he spent most of his like young adult life thinking that he did something wrong, but it all, you know, didn't know per se, right? So he's like obsessed mm-hmm. with her still and has all these pictures. And Audrey, she sees that. And so after like eight years of like not even talking to him, she uses his affection for her to like yeah. to like steal this tape and further her career. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is that they don't. The movie doesn't play it out in that way. Like because of Nick's reactions to it, we're not given the chance to react the way like a normal person would in that situation. He's just so nice. Yeah, which brings me to my WTF moment of this film, Aaron. And yeah. this is this like as an adult watching this scene, it just blew my mind. So, <laughs> so they're, okay, they're they're in Madison Square Garden, right? And yeah. they find out that there's like what were there like two hundred eggs or something insane like that. Mm-hmm. So this this situation has the potential to like destroy the world. Um, now <laughs> they they realize they got to get a hold of the military and get them to like blow up Madison Square Garden. So they do that. By using the broadcast room that broadcasts the, mm-hmm. the Ranger games, they call it. Not the Rangers, but the Ranger games, because you gotta, you know, avoid the licensing thing. <laughs> so they hot they they get that one guy's help. I can't remember his name, but they get that guy's help to broadcast a signal out onto the TV so that mm-hmm. the military would pick up pick it up, right? Mm-hmm. But but Rather than just like get on the camera and be like, O'Neill, you guys got to blow this place up right now. Look at all the eggs. Look at the eggs. You guys got to come do this. Like rather than do that, Audrey like ties her hair back and pretends to be like she plays reporter and like fires it up. And she's like coming to you live from Madison Square Garden. And I was like, what are you doing? This is literally the end (laughs) of the world. And you're trying to launch a career. I was like, this is the weirdest thing. No way. That was her big break. She like cared more about herself than she did about like the future of the world. And she's, Hey, you get, you got to take advantage then, if you're going to get ahead in life. And then they play the little cute music and Nick's like, wow, you're really good kind of thing. And I'm like, dude, this is like, you should have been screaming at the camera being like, you guys got to blow this place up right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Aaron. That that scene you know, never jumped out at me before. <laughs> I, did, I, I didn't even realize oh. it like that. I was just like, oh yeah, good idea. <laughs> no, but it was a good idea, but it was so cutesy and like, I'm a reporter now. And I was like, Audrey, this is not the time. <laughs> so crazy. Yeah. So crazy. You should rewatch that scene in, in that context. It is so crazy. 
<laughs> okay, I will. Do you um, have a WTF yeah, moment but, for this film? No, I, I don't have one um, specifically. Well, actually, I do have one. It's kind of stupid, though. And uh, it's in the beginning of the movie when Godzilla, I think, is swimming in the in the ocean or whatever and comes across. Or no, it's with the fishing boat. And I guess it, like, bites the net, whatever. And it's, like, pulling the fishing ship down. And they're all yelling, like... Cut the lines, cut the lines and stuff. And then there's just like this literally this one second clip of a dude in like waders and like shirtless just working on the (laughs) boat there. (laughs) I was like, I don't think you would be shirtless in waders, like just working on a fishing boat in the middle of the ocean. Like Like, it would be so (laughs) Yeah, like there's a storm that you're like fishing. There's a Godzilla chasing your boat, and you're just and the ocean is like not a warm place. No, it's like not. it's not a it's not a place where you're in like waders and shirtless in like uh, in the waders there. Yeah, but I I thought that was so. I was just like it, it, I I had so many questions. Like <laughs> who told this guy to take his shirt off <laughs> in the film? Yeah. What what was going on there? And he was probably like, uh, and like the guy is pretty fit too, so I feel like he's like, I'm gonna show my muscles off, and, like, and no one was like, ah, we'll cut that yeah. out, but and it just made it. Oh man, you know what? I think you just answered my fish question because maybe Godzilla like scooped up all their fish to feed its babies and like it regurgitated them. Yeah, that's and a then maybe maybe he just like they lured out Godzilla with fish because it was like, oh, maybe I'll just get some more fish, maybe just a little more fish. Oh, yeah. man, I think you just answered my biggest question about this film <laughs> with the shirtless guy. <laughs> and they, do they survive? They It seems like maybe that boat might have took a few of them out. No, 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 no. So I think that the Asian guy that was on there is the one who survives, is the only survivor. And he's the one that's in the film with the lighter and he's like, Kojira. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kojira. And so, yeah. Mm, that makes sense. I was wondering why. Um the flame like triggered this old old guy. Oh yeah, I wonder. Like, what was he gonna do? Was he gonna light him on fire? Was that his? Threat? I don't know. He just was like, he was just like laying there, and then he like lights the lighter, and he's like, Godzilla. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, maybe there's okay. maybe there's some reference to an older film we don't know about there or something. Yeah, that could be. I uh, I totally remembered it in my notes here. I have another WTF moment. This one's really funny, but well, it's okay. So, um. When they're when they have the big fish pile, right, and Godzilla's making mm-hmm. his way down the road to the fish pile, they do a cutaway to like the radar screen, mm-hmm. and <laughs> on on the radar screen is yes, a big old. I know exactly. What there's you're, a fish. Yeah. There's a fish graphic on yeah. their screen. <laughs> yeah, some soldier had to whip that up. You know, it yeah. couldn't just be like an X or something. Like, uh, is the audience? Do they think the audience is that dumb? So like. I I imagine some like uh I imagine like uh, Hicks or whatever you're like bursting into some office and being like Kowalski I need a fish graphic for the radar in 5 minutes. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, yes sir." He's like programming a fish. It's like yeah. I don't understand. Like why can't it just been like a big X or something? <laughs> the other that 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 makes me think of uh my other for this movie I was like they're trying to kill Godzilla. Yeah. They're feeding it or, like, giving it food. Why don't they poison the fish? Oh, my goodness, Aaron. 
oh no, you just broke this movie. I never even thought about that. That's yeah, that would have been yeah, roll credits right there. Like you po- you poison the fish, the babies eat the fish, they die from eating the poison fish. Maybe Godzilla will like well, maybe it won't because technically it's mutated from like nuclear waste or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or radiation. So maybe poison has no effect, but well, it's, they didn't explore that. Its physiology is intact enough for Matthew Broderick to determine that it's pregnant. So you'd figure that, like, you know, they could at least take a crack yeah. at some poisoning kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, can you can you tell in a pregnancy test by dropping blood on it if you're pregnant? Because that's what he does in the movie. I think so, because that's kind of like, because the hormones he's looking for would show up there mm-hmm. i think so okay i don't know i had no idea if that was like scientific or not or they're just like ah we need to to figure out how it's pregnant i could be wrong but i'm gonna say i think that could work yeah do you remember that scene when he's like he's like uh, he's in the store buying the pregnancy tests and his and uh what's her name audrey walks in and she's like wow you must have quite the harem <laughs> yeah what the, what a weird line as if like oh, so weird. as if like in the middle of a monster raiding manhattan his biggest concern yeah. is oh is my girlfriend pregnant like you know what i mean like no his like 60 girlfriends well, yeah are like that's pregnant? that's how audrey impersonates and this is like the first time she's talked to him and how long you know yeah and she's like hey nice pregnancy test you know what i mean it's like what yeah <laughs> what's wrong with you lady why is so weird oh <laughs> she she like i mean i guess towards the end of the movie she kind of redeems herself but she is kind of a trash human being she definitely um yeah i don't think they worked out in the long run i really don't think that nick and audrey like grew up and grew old together and had well, kids i don't know he's he's like holding on to pictures of her eight years later yeah but he also seems like it's weird because when we meet him he doesn't like he seems very much happy and married to his work you know Mm-hmm. And he has the ability to just pick up and go wherever the military tells him. So I don't imagine that he's like got a a lot of ties to like to any particular place. So mm-hmm. it's weird because his character doesn't seem to necessitate like a romantic relationship to begin with. Yeah. So it's weird that he would actually end up with one, or that the writing would say, "Oh, hey, let's let's make this romance happen in this film." It, it just didn't need to be there. Who was the other the other scientist that was like on the team Godzilla? The the, the lady with the red hair, Elsie uh, Elsie Chapman. Her assistant, like whoever that guy was, looked like a poor man's Danny McBride. <laughs> yeah, hey? yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I was like, that's what I thought. I I, that for some reason I was like, I want a remake with Daddy McBride playing that character. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Also, something that always jumps out at me in this film is just how quickly and how easily they seem to evacuate Manhattan. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think you could ever, ever evacuate Manhattan for any reason. I just, I really don't. But by the time Godzilla starts doing his thing, it's basically a bunch of empty buildings. And I just, every time I see this movie, that's the most jarring thing for me, is trying to wrap my head around the fact that they just decided to, like, evacuate Manhattan. Yeah. But, I don't know. Okay, Aaron, this brings me to my other uh, alternate uh, movie title. Um, Okay. Iguana Coming to America. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> because I like it. Again, I feel like Roland Emmerich flirted with the idea of making this um, an allegory about immigration, but just pumped the brakes mm-hmm. and didn't quite dig in. Because there's yeah. even a part in the movie where they refer to all the people that left Manhattan as immigrants. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. When they were like, we have all, no, these, all these immigrants that need to get back into Manhattan because like, they migrated out of Manhattan. Okay. And I was like, is this movie trying to tell, talk about like the fear of immigration in New York? I wonder. I know, yeah. but it was like it was like diet symbolism. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't mm-hmm. quite doing it. It wasn't quite digging in. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. So this brings me to my yeah. theory about this film. Yeah. In all the research I did, looking at the way Roland Emmerich approached it, um, the total like Americanization and some would say like bastardization of this character. Mm-hmm. Toho ended up calling this character Zilla because they didn't des- think that it deserved the moniker of Godzilla. <laughs> I like that. And they ended up killing it in 2004 in another Godzilla movie. They actually have Godzilla kill this Zilla at- oh, really? with like nuclear breath or something. It's pretty funny. It's very, very self-aware. Um, oh, that's awesome. So when I look at this, how Roland Emmerich reluctantly agreed to do this film um, in the time that he did, on the budget that he did, when I look at the way he handled the script and threw out the existing script, um, when I look at like the casting and even just the characters' names, for goodness sake, um, mm-hmm. Aaron, I have a suspicion that Roland Emmerich did this film as pure parody. Mm. When I look at this film... There's like this weird underlining, like cynical nature to everything that happens. I feel Mm -hmm. like Roland Emmerich, man, is like flipping the middle finger to Hollywood execs in this whole movie. Like this whole thing just feels like a parody of a Godzilla movie to me. Mm -hmm. Because he like he said he full on said that he thought the whole thing was dumb and that he didn't like Godzilla and that he. Yeah. And the fact that he just like got kind of like thrown into this and he reluctantly decided to do it mm-hmm. i have a suspicion i have a conspiracy theory that roland emmerich purposefully threw this movie mm-hmm. and the whole thing is is really just indicative of his views of like uh north american filmmaking mm, that would honestly make more sense than him just butchering a godzilla movie i think so like all the Simpsons characters showing up, all the French guys named Jean something, you know, um, the the pedestrian use of New York City, like the, the the throwaway cliches and like the the thinly veiled allegories, because he himself he's not American, right? Mm-hmm. This movie feels like it was made by someone that spent like a long weekend in New York, and they yeah. <laughs> they just did a bunch of sightseeing and were like, okay, I think I got New York figured out. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Aaron. I feel like this whole thing is one big joke. What do you think? I yeah, yeah. I would I would agree like that with that. I, like I said, it makes sense because you know there for me this doesn't fit a Roland Emmerich movie if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the way that he creates movies, the how he you know now that we've like watched a couple and reviewed and looked in depth to a few of them. Watching this one, it doesn't seem like a Roland Emmerich movie. No. Um, yeah, I like, and so I would, I would agree exactly with what you just said. I would love to like sit down with Roland Emmerich and just like off and, the like, record, pick his brain, yeah, yeah, and just ask him like, "Look, is this a big like fu to American cinema? Like, are you actually like this wasn't serious, was it? Like, you were actually saying, yeah, this is 
you, this is all one mm-hmm. big Sony joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe he tried to get payback for the Japanese by creating this like crazy slap in the face against Americans movie. Well, when you go so far as to parody the very critics who lambasted your last film and you like put them yeah. in your next film. Yeah. Like what is that but not a big F you? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. Like when you cast half of the Simpsons characters as like extras in your New York City movie, are you not saying mm-hmm. that America is shallow? Like are you not like you know what I mean? Like there mm-hmm. the more you dissect this film, the more it seems like Roland Emmerich was just playing one big joke on everybody. Yeah. It's so weird. Very weird. It melt it, it messed with me, man. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, I'd like to get our listeners' thoughts on that because I really feel like there's some weird stuff going on here. Like, if you look at the way um, the Chernobyl site's handled, where this American mm-hmm. guy comes in, like, zippity doo da, you know, singing his, <laughs> just playfully digging up worms in Chernobyl, not really acknowledging how, like, messed up the situation is that he's in, you know, just like, oh, I'm studying the worm growth and they're 17% bigger. And mm-hmm. we're all watching this like, yeah, yeah, that's Chernobyl. You should probably be a little bit more somber about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, the whole thing seems like uh, a criticism about America and mm-hmm. American filmmaking. Yeah, it's a very good point. So, Aaron, um, it's just, besides this weird conspiracy theory, I, I want to start about Roland Emmerich doing this on purpose. Um, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts about Godzilla? No, like I said, for me, just it was just a nostalgic movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Just reminded me so much of growing up. Reminded me of being like a kid, not having a care in the world, and just loving watching a monster destroy things. Just like a simpler time, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely a simpler time. That's, yeah, that's such a key phrase for this, for sure. Because, yeah, yeah. with filmmaking, it was so much more straightforward and, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. It, I was trying really hard not to not use the word fun when talking about this film because I feel like that's such such a subjective phrase, you know, when like describing yeah. or even defending a movie. But I remember when I was a kid, man, sitting down in that theater. I, I think I had like a Godzilla popcorn bucket, you know. Mm-hmm. I was so ready to see this thing, mm-hmm. and I loved every minute of it as a kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. I can see why it flopped, but I feel like Godzilla 1998 has a little a little special place in my heart still. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Aaron, what would you say to recommend this film to people? Okay, so I'm going to recommend this film to all the nice guys out there. Because <laughs> oh, I also have a title for this movie. Yeah. Nice guys don't finish last. Oh. Or doesn't finish last. <laughs> Just because... Yeah, it was kind of like a theme um, throughout this movie, which was like, nice guys finish last. So Audrey feels like she has to be um, a little bit of a bad guy and and like, you know, mm-hmm. lie and kind of scrape her way to the top. And But throughout this whole entire movie, 
Matthew Broderick is just a nice guy. Like, he obviously gets dumped by her, but eight years still holds on to feelings and just continuing being a nice guy waiting for his time to come. Mm-hmm. And it eventually does come, and he capitalizes on it. <laughs> and and so, like, you see him maintain the nice guy throughout the entire movie, right? Right. But then you see uh, the opposite of that in Audrey, where she's trying to, but, like, not maintaining nice guy, but uh, she has to you know, do some things to get herself ahead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so you, like, see the contrast between the two types of people out there. Mm. And, but what ends up winning in the end is the nice guy. And so, yeah, if you're a nice guy, just keep holding on, and this movie is for you. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. You know what would have been a wacky sequel to this film is is Nico, Nick and Audrey, they have a baby, but because of Nick's prolonged exposure to radiation, the baby grows mm-hmm. up to be like a giant, giant baby that faces the new Godzilla. <laughs> but it could transform into a worm. <laughs> it's just a giant worm. Oh, a little dirt eater. <laughs> yeah, no... <laughs> I agree. Like this, this, you know, it's it's very easy to criticize this movie, but at the end of the day, there's some incredible yeah. craftsmanship in it, some mm-hmm. wild sound design, some some really neat backstory, and chances were taken. And whether or not you like it, we need filmmakers that are willing to mm-hmm. try a new approach to source material, especially well-established source material. Because why do you want just the same thing over and over again? You know. Mm-hmm. I just I, I keep going back to that like there was like 22 films Roland Emmerich said mm-hmm. I want to try something else or else I'm not doing it yeah and we need more directors willing to just give the middle finger to uh, like other production companies and just kind of make what they want I agree I agree and there is a there's a hypocritical niche to the whole thing because Toho signed off on a lot of this stuff and Japanese audiences mm-hmm. really did slam this movie when it came out. But they also slammed the yeah. first one when it came out too, the very first one. So it's like um, there, there is a whole twisted, twisty tale behind this film and I encourage you to dig deeper on it uh, mm-hmm. because there's so much more than we have time for. But you got to check it out. Yeah. So Aaron, yeah. out of 10, what would you give this movie? I give this movie uh, six six nice guys out of uh, yeah ten ten nice guys. <laughs> um, I give this movie yeah I'll give it I'll give it six uh, radiated iguana eggs out of a possible ten radiated iguana eggs. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't see sixteen percent. <laughs> no. <sighs> well, that's. Yeah, I mean, more or less. I'm sure there's more we could have said on it. But yeah, that's 1998's Godzilla. Or Zilla for you Puritans. (laughs) Yeah. And I would encourage uh, any of our listeners, if you haven't seen the more current Godzillas, definitely give them a watch. Mm -hmm. And also, if you guys have any movie recommendations for, like, monster movies, throw them our way. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Also, if you're watching this movie at the 51 minute mark, you tell me if that's supposed to be the wet bandits from Home Alone that show up. Because <laughs> I'm really curious if that's what that's supposed to be. Um, 
Yeah, let us know what you think of this movie and if you think that this whole Roland Emmerich doing this on purpose thing holds any water. Um, yeah. We want to know what you thought of the show. You can reach out to us on all our social media stuff, Reddit, Instagram, email, Twitter, however you want. Um, it's all in the show notes. And yeah, I think that's all we got. So, yeah. until next time, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Just a special hello to all of our listeners around the world, in the U.S., Australia. Thank you so much for your support. And we'll catch you on the next one. Q uh, P Diddy <laughs> Godzilla song. Yes. Uh, <laughs>